There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So welcome. We have a very special episode today of the media pod Atla Dotter and Bjurvald. We have two very prominent uh, Russian journalists here in the studio today. Would you please like to introduce yourselves? We always do this with our guests and it's extra good today now that you have Russian names so that I don't pronounce it incorrect. Please start I doubt you. my name is too Russian because I'm Victoria. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But my last name is quite Russian. I'm Victoria Ivleva mm-hmm. and I'm a freelance journalist and photographer and recently volunteer in Ukraine, which I'm very proud of. Mm-hmm. This is it. Yeah. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you. Hey, my name is Nadezhda Zhgikhina. I am vice president of European Federation of Journalists and executive secretary of Russian Union of Journalists. Uh, worked uh, working as a journalist during all my life, and uh, I hope I'm still a journalist. Yes. <laughs> and I read in your presentation, because you are here in Stockholm to take part in a seminar on press freedom at the Cultural House in Stockholm, that you have written about 20 books on journalism and equality. Is this correct? Uh, yes, I edited, collected and uh, wrote something myself on uh, uh, gender equality, human rights, uh, media freedom and uh, culture, partly. Mm-hmm. And a couple of things about Swedish women and Swedish experience of gender equality. Yeah, it's very interesting to have been written about. We'll see if we have time to talk uh, about your verdict on Swedish women and equality. But let's first talk about the reason why you're here. You are here to discuss press freedom in Russia. And I know this is a topic that our listeners follow, but could you please just give a bit of a general picture of the situation for journalists today in Putin's Russia, please? Sad. Mm. The first word that comes to my mind. Difficult. Um, Heroic, in a way. That would be it, to start with. Why heroic? Because it's difficult to tell the truth. And uh, lots of people are getting threats, and women especially. And even if you're not getting threats, it's getting more and more difficult just to be yourself mm-hmm. and just to tell what, to say what you think and to write what you want to write because there's a kind of an inner censorship, not an official censorship, but something that is inside each of you. And you should use all of your audacity, all of your uh, free will to continue. 
The inner censorship is something we've discussed in this podcast before. Uh, we have a problem in Sweden with the internet hatred, which is particularly aimed at women. And this is also a reason why some women just feel they cannot uh, go on any longer to write, because they do know that if they choose some topics, the hatred will come immediately. But I think it will still surprise some of our listeners that women are particular targets in Russia, because there is a general picture that it's it's so bad for press freedom in Russia that no one has really acknowledged that there may be a difference between the sexes, at least not in Swedish media. Tell us, why are Russian women, uh, female journalists, more under threat than men? Because physically we're more feeble all over the world. And it's uh, mentally, I think it's easier to think of an attacking a woman than attacking a man, if if we talk about physical threats. And uh, the other reason is that there are much more women in Russian journalism than um, I, I don't know the situation in Sweden, <coughs> but definitely much more women than men. And this situation changed within uh, within the time I'm in journalism because we, me and Nadezhda, we were at the same uh, journalism school at Moscow University and uh, on the same level. N- Nadia was one year uh, uh, higher. Um, and in our times, I'm so old now, I could talk about our no, times. No, no, but yeah. please tell us about what time in, this was, in, just in so the listeners... 30 years ago, 30 years say, ago 25 yeah. years ago. In our times, there was more men. The students were more men than than uh, women. And now it was probably... Nadia, tell me. It was probably <coughs> 70% of men and 30% no, I can, of women. No, I can, I can follow, because really when we started and when I started my professional career mm. in a national youth newspaper quite progressive and liberal-minded at that time. Uh, uh, we had the half and half men and women. And Probably. of course, all mm. of uh, chief and the uh, department chief used to be males. And it looked naturally. <clears throat> Now we have 80% of all media workers female. And uh, some uh, uh, chief editors and even owners, uh, more than 20% nas- on the national level, on the regional and local level, uh, much more because uh, uh, men uh, leave uh, this field because of low payment, uh, strong responsibilities, threats. Uh, they live, live for more lucrative positions in politics and business. But I would like to add first about press freedom, because I do remember this time when we were studying in the Moscow State University and when we started our professional career, press freedom was an impetuous desire. It was a dream, dream of generations of Russian intellectuals. And uh, then perestroika started. Uh, many young people, and not only young people, all liberal-minded intellectuals participated and it became a gift uh, from the heaven during Gorbachev time. We got this press freedom, we got this uh, fantastic legislation which is still actual legislation on media activities on press freedom in Russia. Uh, It was like a gift and we had no idea that it should be protected, that it's hard everyday job. It was our uh, frustration Press freedom was, uh, as an idea, deep frustration for many when first oligarchs, then power structures began to conquer media field. There is no transparent market. There is no open and transparent competition. There are different threats and restrictions started, not today, started uh, with uh, 9-11 and war on terror. First uh, so-called information doctrine 
of Russian media appeared just after this tragedy. And now we face lots of different restrictions, some amendments to legislation, some regulations, which uh, made this field of, field of open discussion more and more rigid, may make it smaller. Mm-hmm. But I should say that we just started understanding that press freedom is our every, everyday job. <coughs> it's our responsibility. And it's very sad to admit, but unfortunately, this situation in what we find ourselves today uh, is in many ways is a result of our naivety, lack of solidarity, lack of professional organizations, lack of strategies how to protect our media freedom and other freedoms and the uh, integrity of ourselves. So, but I still, uh, I, I, uh, I should say that still now we have uh, uh, very interesting media experiences in Russia. We have uh, really heroic, uh, transparent, responsible quality ethical and interesting business companies. We have a number of uh, really courageous and dedicated journalists, including young people, in many Russian cities and towns. And uh, it gives me hope. I'm very proud of our professionals who do not want just to make money on their skills, (coughs) but uh, understands understand that journalism is a public good, that they uh, work for people, for our uh, development, for the future. And unfortunately, uh, what I faced, that very few people uh, in the West uh, are aware of it, Uh, have any information about this. So that's why I think it's very important to establish uh, professional gatherings, sharing experiences, meet face to face and no more. Mm. You've also said in an interview that the general public is painfully unaware that the threats against press freedom and against journalism (coughs) is a national security issue. It's not just something that concerns uh, our small industry or, you know, our private lives. It really is uh, an issue of democracy and national security. How do you work to raise awareness of this issue in Russia? Just have discussions with the public, uh, uh, promote uh, some uh, events like media festivals, like some uh, gatherings, uh, uh, some films, uh, and just open discussions with people in the libraries around newspapers, <coughs> around different, uh, in the uh, education uh, centers. But I should say that we lost a lot because people really do believe, many of them, that <coughs> it's just business of people in media business. They make money, they divide something, they, it's, it's not about themselves. And I think it's the main problem for very idea of freedom of expression in Russia. Mm-hmm. I would like yes. to add that I think during last years especially the reputation of our profession in Russia, I don't know about Sweden, but in Russia it's gone, it's gone down. And whenever you say that you're a journalist, the response is always, oh, you're going to lie something about us. And I think it's an image of a journalist that was probably created deliberately. Uh, I don't want to say by Kremlin journalist or by whom, but by some people at power, because then it's very easy to manipulate the general public if journalists are not trustworthy people all over the country. And of course, in Russia, as well as probably here, it's not the uh, the newspapers who are playing the leading role. It's the television, and the television is is not free at all. 
So it's a very interesting point. We do have the same um, problem here. It's our leading far right party, the Sweden Democrats, are projecting this image of uh, Swedish journalists as part of a great conspiracy, lying to the people, and it's a conspiracy that's really taken hold because uh, the great medium here is not TV; it's the internet and social media. Um, Tell us a bit about internet and social media. How is it used uh, in order to uh, make press freedom stronger, to strengthen press freedom in Russia? Do you have any... I mean, I've read in an interview with you, Victoria, that you say that, um, or at least the journalist who interviews you says that you use Facebook as your own personal newspaper. I think it, it's it's looked like my little personal yeah. <laughs> newspaper because I have eleven and a half thousand followers. It is not that probably it sounds much in Sweden, mm. but it's not that much in Russia. So it's and I write there nearly every day. Right. But it's so so surprising to hear that journalism has become like this low status, mm. female dominated profession uh, in Russia because it's the absolute opposite here. But what I, is interesting? It's 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 uh, you know when you when you come to somebody the first reaction. Is, oh, you're going to lie about us. The next moment they would open a newspaper, read an article about a person with three heads and believe it <laughs> because it's not here, it's somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what you're going to write about us will be all lie. Yeah. So. <laughs> but is it the same? For, I have to ask you, is it the same like in all areas of journalism? Because in Sweden, the problem is mainly that you have some niches of journalism that are male dominated. Like investigative journalism is still a very macho area where it's difficult to get ahead as a female and so on or do you have like female domination in all areas of fashion journalism let me add first of all we had totally male dominated mm. uh, sections like high policy politics economy investigation sports, sports. sports of course military issues and so on mm. But with Perestroika, I should say that uh, Russian society was formally equal. Of course, it was very superficial. It was full of hypocrisy. And that's why many liberals, they hated idea of uh, uh, women's uh, equality as a fake idea. It's important to understand why many Russian so-called progressive-minded people, they hated feminism when first feminists appeared uh, in the Soviet Union during Perestroika and later in Russia. They... <coughs> didn't want to accept this agenda. They accepted everything from the States, from Western Europe, except feminism, because feminism was associated with condemned Russian Soviet past, something dangerous for normal people, and neoliberal idea of Cinderella, uh, girlfriend of a businessman, became the most popular. <coughs> and <coughs> at the same time, many women penetrated the profession in the 90s. And many women began to experience leadership. They established newspapers. It was extraordinary experience. <coughs> it was a temptation. I should say that some of them established uh, soft porn or <laughs> hard porn newspapers yeah. because por pornography was looked that time at like something fresh and liberal. It was prohibited. Interesting, really time. interesting. It's very important, yeah. and many. That's why many women did and are promoting gender stereotypings. Despite their positions <coughs> in the media, they could be owners. They could oppress women journalists and didn't let them go to maternity leave, uh, to take care of small children, underpay. It's a typical They were just situation. so set on <coughs> making this career and just establishing themselves that they just did not yes. care about in any Yes, and yeah. today the most prominent and well-known and awarded nationally and internationally journalists covering conflicts, uh, human rights, uh, top politics, economy, uh, including military issues, they are women. They are well-respected. 
they are well accepted. Uh, not all of them are feminists by origin, not, and very few claim that they are close to feminist ideology. But at the same time, those women who uh, raise their voices for human rights, for women's rights, uh, for democracy, uh, combating corruption and uh, pressure of authorities, they face enormous, enormous response and hate online and open threats. Some of them have been killed. First woman who reported about threats for her, she was not a young girl. She was chief editor of Kalmyk regional newspaper, Sovietskaya Kalmykia Sivodny, Larisa Yudina. She was criticizing uh, leader, president of Kalmyk Republic. <coughs> it was in the 90s because of his corruption and uh, uh, connections with criminology, criminals and so on. She was threatened many, many times. Uh, she was brutally beaten and killed. Mm, and, and of course, Anna Politkovskaya, who is so uh, well known Politkovskaya here. appeared later. Of course, she faced uh, threats, many, many threats. She didn't pay attention to that. Mm. Many women do not pay attention uh, to any threats until death threats. Why? Why, shy. Is this, why, why is it so? What do you mean, like, don't pay attention? Do they ignore them? Are they just too scared? Do they Because think it's going to go... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Idiotic. Yeah, I, I receive threats, but they all look idiotic. Mm -hmm. Like UI State Department agent. Okay, thank you very much. And I've yeah. received a single dollar from the State Department. No. Or you are a bitch. Mm -hmm. Or you are responsible for the war in Ukraine. Or you know, oh. uh, how would you react to this? Okay, keep on writing, and mm -hmm. I will be. And I keep on writing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Lots of threats look idiotic, just uh, as if they're written by mental people. So you wouldn't pay attention. But do you have any training? Because since you're active in the union, I think, uh, do, do you have training courses we for had, women? Uh, we are very appreciated for our cooperation with the uh, Swedish Collection International Federation of Journalists. We had many trainings, including gender trainings. And I should say we uh, introduced gender trainings into professional mid-career trainers. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and uh, sometimes it was more interesting for male journalists. 
but you know we uh, did not have enough trainings uh, in safety in general no. now we need it but we have unfortunately uh, not enough fundings and we do not have enough cooperation so it's some practical stuff but <clears throat> the problem is that Russian journalists used to face threats for decades Mm, so and this is become ingrained in the profession and, uh, that you just... It's uh, a part you, of the everyday life or... It is it, as a part of... If you're a serious mm. journalist, it looks very strange if you never uh, got any threats oh. to your family, to your kids. But today it's more cruel, it's more brutal, especially it's for like women. Threats, rape threats. Mm. Rape threats to your kids, to your family. So people are becoming more aggressive in And general. this is online or it's also physical or... Mostly online. Mostly it would be anonymous yeah. online. Yeah. You cannot define. But I should say that sometimes we have a, a couple of episodes when police investigated and found offenders and didn't put them to court but uh, had some prevention measures. Uh, it's and the same in Sweden. Sweden. They yeah. were stopped. Mm. But it was... it. Uh, I'm very surprised why people do not talk about it uh, loudly because mm-hmm. uh, there are some measures possible to do, especially in a small settlements. It's very difficult to find a person in Moscow in a big uh, city. But in small uh, settlement and small uh, town, and I should say that uh, women are most of uh, chief editors and prominent journalists in small towns, and they are very trusted yeah. because they are close to people. Uh, it's very different situation from big cities because everything is very close. But threats in small places are more dangerous for journalists because your family, your house, your everyday life... Yeah, everyone knows everyone close. in a small yeah. place. So, on, so it's the same. But tell me about convictions. Do you have a lot of convictions for this type of really violent internet hatred towards female journalists? In we have, we have a line in our criminal code. It's a crime. But I do not remember any case when it was used. It's a Russian problem. We have not bad legislation in many spheres. But yeah, the laws are not that bad, the implementation. Yeah. <laughs> but this is probably a worldwide problem. Now it, is, it is, yeah. yes. The, the level is different. Yeah. But level of aggression in Russian society is very high. Mm. Uh, it's unprecedented. I don't yeah. remember mm. this level of aggression never in yeah. my life. Under Brezhnev times, uh, it was just a quiet thing and swamp and that was it mm. it was never like like today and where is it coming from <coughs> i mean because there's always been the suspicion in sweden that some of it is orchestrated by the far-right parties they publish something on their websites about a particular journalist and sometimes literally encouraging users to you know go out and seek out this the most far-right so party in russia is probably the united russia yeah <laughs> so this yeah. is where all this well, there are some nationalistic, from. really dangerous groups. And, you know, people, sometimes people around religious centers, not official church, but some so-called activists. Religious uh, and fanatics. And fanatics. And fanatics and fanatics, yes. They are really dangerous. They hate women uh, on public sphere I- by origin. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that people who promote uh, feminism and gender equality on TV, on radio, after every program, they face lots, they face lots of uh, threats and uh, humiliation on the web. How do the Russian female me, journalists there, there, go there, on? There is yeah. one case I would like Nadia to talk about. It. Would you tell the story of Yelena Milashina? Ah, Yelena Milashina. Incredible <coughs> story. Yelena Milashina is a well-known investigative journalist, just awarded from Nova by Fried Ort, Ort uh, Award from Nova Gazeta. Uh, she was covering Chechnya, forced marriages, uh, honor killings, and so on. And she followed so-called uh, marriage of millennium. 
this marriage and girl uh, girl's relatives uh, uh, complained on this man to Novaya Gazeta. Mm -hmm. They asked to protect her. Yeah. But after this scandal, after official support of uh, uh, leader of Chechnya, uh, she said she would agree to marry and there was a marriage. It was a discussion, was it fake? Because he was married already and it's against oh, Russian it, it law. It was horrible to look at, it at was, her. She looked yeah. just... It, 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 was, it was, you know, it was it was a crime. It was a yeah. child abuse, definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, our children, some of men originally started the case. Then he said it was national tradition and women in oh. Chechnya look very old and wrinkled, wrinkled <laughs> after 27. That's ridiculous. After this that, is why they should be married at the age of 13. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yes, after that, by the way, feminists uh, gave him anti-award of the worst sexist of the year. Yes, that was probably but well deserved. Elena yeah. Milashna followed the case. Mm -hmm. She uh, went some, to the village. Several yeah. times. Some people some of people from uh, authorities wanted not let her go to, to, to watch it. Mm -hmm. And then he began to get threats and after that he got threat on official she webs. Got, she got mm -hmm. threat death. Not get death threat, but they reminded her destiny of Politkovskaya. Ah. Well uh, this official, I would say is an uh, in official, official yep. uh, associated with the government of Chechnya website. And after that, uh, she complained to court and everybody uh, supported her and we uh, applied to OSC and other institutions. And I, I know her. I asked her several times, why you didn't uh, report about yes. uh, those threats until this horrible death threat? And yeah. she said that she didn't want. What for? It was not the case. And I think it's a problem. It's a deep psychological yeah. problem. Everybody do not pay attention to threats, but our monitors who monitor uh, deaths and all viola violations of journalists' rights, they confirm that every tragedy, every beating, every death started with small intimidations and open threats and go on and go on. So we must pay attention to that. We must put it... Uh, put it to public debate and to start this campaign until, uh, against intimidation because we have line on the legislation but not only police. Police doesn't want to take it, to deal with it but even journalist organizations, media companies do not want to pay attention to that. Because really? What so what, ab what about <coughs> a female journalist employee at a large media company <coughs> in Russia would get this sort of severe threats? How would the employer react? What's the typical scenario? If obviously, if she goes to that the employer, would and the employer. Mm. that would depend on the employer. That would depend on the employer. What's the usual? The editing chief of Nova Gazeta, for example, as I worked there, of course, would try to to do everything to protect. Yeah, but that's like a small investigative. But he was male. Excellent. Yeah, but yeah, she's a male. But if you say like one of the bigger uh, TV companies or one of the large newspapers, I don't think that the big TV companies they get any threats because no, they, they, do, they do, they, they do, they do, they do. Doesn't matter, you know. Mm. People get threats. Doesn't matter uh, what uh, political uh, focus they mm. prefer. 
uh, it happens. But usually uh, I got complaints from uh, right-wing women journalists. They got threats because fan- fanatics and uh, aggressive people are among all groups and everywhere. But I do not remember any case when big leader of big national company uh, uh, started campaign defend. or mm. did something. I do not remember. Probably they, tra- but I do not know. Because, I mean, isn't this at the heart of press freedom as well, that the publishers are standing up for the employees <coughs> and saying, we do not accept any threats towards our employees. We defend press freedom. If you have the weakening at the top, then I think fewer and fewer people are going to speak out about it. They hear the signal from the it top sh- saying, just keep quiet about it. Just keep it, it under wraps. It should be a culture. Uh, culture in this uh, uh, media field in general. And the culture is very problematic. There is strong competition. We have unemployment or hidden unemployment, especially for those lucrative positions. And people faced threats. They prefer not report, not to make any noise, not to be laughed at. It's, I know that it's the same picture was in Great Britain just now and in Sweden just now. Uh, people began to uh, take it serious. And <coughs> the same with Russian media leaders. It's important to educate them to discuss it. But at the and same time... also this uh, um, a s- sort of a system in Russia when you try to solve those things uh, uh, sort of under the table by t- using your own relations, probably getting to those who are sending those threats, talking to them in a hidden way, you know... It's not publicly. Not publicly. Mm. And dealing with them, we- wheeling, dealing with them in a way... It's it's a long, long, long tradition started in this. This seems like time. something you need to educate um, the journalists about. That, that, that's of course. The way, that you of should course. go through the authorities. You should go through the police or through the courts. That 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 seems people very risky. The thing is that people don't trust the police. No, people don't trust the state, and the state doesn't trust the people. No, this is but the it's, main it's, reason. You know, it's very general uh, concept because. Uh, I know cases, uh, exact cases, when uh, people in government structures supported uh, uh, even journalists and people complaining and police did their job. It happens. We shouldn't generalize everything. <coughs> and I think we should promote step by step those cooperation. But what, what is important? Of course, I think it's universal. When journalists is well known as a person who complains on all chiefs, nobody will employ his or him. So <coughs> it's a uh, it's a problematic person. So, <coughs> yeah. it is, so it is important to help a person to resolve this issue, probably to help psychologically because it's very traumatic and for women it's much more traumatic than for men. And people around they do not understand. It's important to create such environment in a working place, in a team to support and not let it be again. Mm. and try to resolve it. So it's quite complicated. <coughs> but unfortunately, gender awareness in Russia is very low. And uh, recent trends uh, are associated with so strong patriarchal patriarchal uh, <coughs> dynamics and patriarchal uh, ideas and uh, not ideas, but stylistic, stylistic. Mm-hmm. And this is the way Russia is heading. So I was going to ask you about the future. So it seems very negative. So journalists are getting more and more used to the amount of threats, especially online. It's just a part of your everyday life, basically. And at the same time, Russia is going in an even more patriarchal direction. It's very superficial. Anyway. How, how would you how would you stop this <laughs> development then? How would you change the government probably. Yeah. 
I think it's important to uh, understand again, I started with this point, that uh, uh, democracy and uh, press freedom as part Jihad of democracy, Jum. it's not uh, uh, gift, it's not weather, uh, it's uh, our business, personal business of each of us. And when we started, it's, it's very unpleasant. You know, it's very boring sometimes, and people sometimes are very lazy. They could be great journalists, but to protect even their labor rights, I know dozens of examples. They would never go and ask why and don't do why this and no do this. Why there's no salary for because several months? they never do that. So it's important to raise uh, uh, civil awareness and uh, self-esteem, I'm sorry, by Russian journalists and Russian intellectuals. I think it's a starting point for making difference in our life. Mm. That's very good final words. And I'm so happy to have had you in the studio today. There is so much more to talk about. How can we follow you? How can Swedish journalists follow you? Are you you're both you are on Facebook, Victoria? I'm on Facebook. I'm yes. Victoria Evleva. Yeah. But I, I write in Russian. Yes. But we can use Google Translate. You can maybe. use Google Translate. Oh, uh, yeah, but uh, there's something I have to, I have to say. Uh, yes. Together with my old Swedish friend, Swedish journalist Ulla Tilgren, we are organizing... Andrei Tarkovsky days on Gotland Oh wow! on the 28th and 29th of June during the Bergman week because it's 30 years of the Ofret when he shoot at Ofret on Gotland and it will be a big event. So if people want to see me in person, they're most yes. welcome to go to Gotland. That's perfect. You can get a great dose of culture. You can see the 30th anniversary of uh, the sacrifice and uh, you can meet this brilliant journalist as well. So go to Gotland. Swedish go to Gotland. Yeah. And I would like to add... Because With no I'm submarines. <coughs> no, no, absolutely not. Because I am part of uh, GAMAC, uh, Global Alliance for Media and Gender. And uh, we have fantastic uh, Swedish colleagues from uh, feminist perspective. And uh, we hope to have a project together which will give opportunity for women journalists and all uh, activists, women and men interested in uh, media democratic development to communicate, establish regular exchange online and probably some practical face-to-face -face gatherings. I do hope we'll do it together with the European Federation of Journalists and we uh, we are in the process, so I do hope we'll meet again. I <coughs> hope so. And actually, me and my colleague, who's not here today, I'm doing this all by myself, uh, we would love to do something like that, just a meet-up, and maybe I could go yeah. on a summer transfer to Moscow. Fantastic. Why not? Why not? Why yes. not? It's very close. Two Please. hours to fly. Send me there, and, and we'll see if I, if I come back live. Our 35 minutes. We yes. are our 35 minutes away only. Yeah. It feels like uh, a universe away sometimes. So I'm too glad that we got this perspective. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.